Good Monday, everyone. Welcome to the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast, the Rocky Top Rewind edition on this Monday. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Remember, you can check out Blue Water Climate Control online at BlueWaterClimateControl.com, or you can visit them on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore climate. Talking about one of Vol fans' favorite games today, the 1998 Tennessee-Florida game. Rob, I'll start with you in rewatching this. I remember Tennessee fans being anxious the entire game. After rewatching it, I understand why they were anxious the entire game. Florida moving the ball up and down the field, throwing the football, but Tennessee finding a way to create a bunch of turnovers. It was a nerve-wracking night uh, for all Tennessee fans in the house. Yeah, I didn't – I mean, I didn't remember Florida converted. I mean, they struggled on offense, but, man, they converted some third downs. I mean, and third and longs. I mean, third and 11, third and 15. Um the big touchdown to McGriff came on a, you know, a third and 11 play. And I, I didn't remember him eating Tennessee up like that on third down because, I mean, the Vols dominated the line of scrimmage. I mean, got tons of pressure on, but the anxiety factor was real. Cause, I mean, you saw Florida there twice in the fourth quarter with less than eight minutes to go, get to midfield easily. And, you know, the one Deion Grant snuffed out with, with what was just a legendary play. And then uh, Tennessee managed to get off the field. But I, I did not remember the Gators moving the ball like that as a result of just so many third-down conversions, one after another. To your point, Rob, I mean, they uh, they scored that touchdown at the end of the first half right after converting a third and 22. They get a huge yeah, – Tennessee, Tennessee gets a huge sack, and then they, they convert that play. I mean, this was a wild game. I mean, I had seen snippets of this, but it was uh, – it's funny, too, because I, obviously folks know my, you know, ties to Gainesville – I know Travis McGriff pretty well. I've played uh, in, in a lot of flag football and pickup basketball games. I know the Jacksons. Uh, you know, we covered the 92 game, Willie Jackson. I've played a lot of hoops with him and his kid. You know, I don't know uh, Terry quite as well, but I've played him with him. So it's funny kind of watching them, you know, in some of this in their heyday because, I mean, Tennessee had no answer for Travis McGriff in this game. What You know, and he had a big fumble. Uh, but – they survived, and it was, you know, whether it was Al Wilson and Raynoff Thompson and Deion Grant's big pick, every time the balls needed a play, uh, Fred White had a big stop down by the goal line one time. Every time they needed a play, they came up with it. I was 15 during this game, and my grandmother was in the hospital, so I actually spent the night with my papa. So he was not a big sports fan, but I remember we had to leave the hospital in time to get home to watch this game. And I don't know if it's just the, the TV representation. Brent, you were there. I was not. I don't know if Rob was or not either. But the point I'm trying to make, the, the kind of overall mood, of, it seemed like a, like a smoky, foggy night at Neyland. Was it that way? It just, or it, did it just appear that way on TV? It, it, was hot, it was hot as crap. I mean, that's one of the hottest games I've ever been a part of, I've ever stepped through. I mean, just standing, of course, we were an open-air press box. You were just drenched uh, in sweat because the humidity was just through the roof. It was a September hot night. Tennessee, two weeks earlier at the Carrier Dome, had cramped up greatly. There were all these stories about Tennessee's use of creatine as a part of their uh, summer workout program. And should they use creatine? And is this the, bat, you know, the downside to creatine, all these cramps that they had? Everybody talked about, well, the Carrier Dome was so hot. You know, and they sort of cited the Carrier Dome as a big reason why Tennessee suffered all the cramps that they had in this game, uh, in that game in Syracuse. But then you look back at this game in the Florida game, 
a lot of guys were, were cramping up that, that way uh, on, on that night because it was extremely, extremely muggy. I mean, just a really, really hot night. What was amazing to me um, in, in the rewatch was Tennessee's willingness to play deep into the rotation. I mean, there's a sack on a third down in the fourth quarter uh, where Tennessee gets off the field, and Chris Ramsur makes that play at middle linebacker because Al Wilson was gassed and was on the sideline. Uh, took some guts to say, hey, let's take Al Wilson out of the game, okay, and let's come back and, and run with, you know, Chris Ramsur, who is a little-used player at that point in time. The biggest overarching thing for me in this game that I still can't wrap my head around, and both you guys, Rob, everybody can jump in here, but I've never seen an offensive line struggle to stop an A-gap blitz between the, the gap between the center and the guard the way Florida did all night long. The fact that they turned so many linebackers loose, Jesse, was, was just unfathomable to me that, that repeatedly nobody picked up a middle linebacker. And Tennessee wasn't disguising it. I mean, you knew it was coming, but yet Florida allowed – repeatedly that A-gap blitz to get home. It was really remarkable for, for an entire game they let that happen. Even overtime. Yeah, it was hilarious, too, because it seemed like every time Al Will, whoever it was that was getting the, the, the sack straight up the middle or the pressure or the tipped pass or whatever, it was immediately followed by a uh, replay or a cut to Spurrier just with his hands on his hips and, and on his knees just looking aghast. You know, you forget, too, about the rotating of the quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Palmer and, and, and Johnson, they made some big plays, but they were on their backs constantly. Uh, and, and that lack of adjustment, I mean, the fact that, you know, the teams weren't going into the gun a whole lot during this time. So, you know, Spurrier was calling all these three and, and five-step drops, and they didn't even have time to make them. Yeah, I mean, it, Tennessee had just so much, uh, so much athleticism. I mean, you had Fred White coming up in the box doing a lot. We'll be joined by Fred later in the podcast to, to kind of recap this game. But you had Emo, uh, obviously Al Wilson. And Brent, how many, how many, how long, or not, how many years longer or past this game did Tennessee continue to go to the well on highlight and hype videos with big hits, specifically talking about the plays that you're talking about where guys were coming right up the middle and, and, and making big plays? Well, I mean, again, that, Rob, I mean, Florida never never stopped the, the middle linebacker blitz. I mean, they just let it come through the, come through the gap. But it, it was repeated. The other thing, too, is I don't – you know, obviously Tennessee's secondary had a hard time. If Florida had time to throw the football, they were going to have success. Steve Johnson especially. You know, but you look at the front seven of both of these football teams, there was – Rob, there was dudes playing. I mean, Mike Peterson, Javon Kurz for Florida – Two, and Rutledge, I mean, those Rutledge. are three, <laughs> three really good players. You look, Sean Ellis for Tennessee, uh, Darwin Walker, Al Wilson. And then I think the guy who probably doesn't get enough credit for this game, Rob, is Raynock Thompson. He was all over, and he never came off the field. Showed up a lot. Um, all starting Mitch and Fred White made some plays. And, you know, it, but you just can't, I mean, it's cliche by this point in Tennessee history, but you just can't say enough about Al Wilson in, in this game. I mean, the, you know, they, they get the stop inside the five-yard line. I mean, you forget kind of how – I mean, Florida could have – they they left a ton of points on the field in this. They get they get down inside the five there early and, you know, have the fumble, then they get down there again to Tennessee holes in their short field goal. It was just – you know, I, 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 I guess I'm – you know, 
I, I did recall Tennessee really struggled offensively. But, boy, man, the defense has absolutely put, put this game on their backs and with, came with, through. And how, with I, the mean, way, I, I know Chief liked the blitz. <laughs> he was out of control in this one. With the, way, with the way this game ultimately played out, I do think one of the underrated moments of the game is when Robert Gillespie catches that long pass uh, wide open. It's a huge bust, and he decides to cut it back. Deion Grant gets the tackle, saves a touchdown, and then literally two plays later, Florida should have scored again, and it's, it's Fred White with the stop. Fred White makes a play. Uh, you know, if tennis, if, if Florida goes up seven nothing there instead of just three nothing, how does the game, you know, maybe change a little bit? Because as Rob, I mean, Florida or Tennessee could do nothing offensively really. By the end of uh, regulation, they only had 235 yards, and a bunch of those came on a heave pass. You know, two heave passes, one to Peerless Price. So, uh, was and, not and the, the best. other one being on a fullback, you know, fullback run, a 60 yard yeah. fullback run. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, you do not want to miss the Fred White interview to get him to explain the Sean Bryson fullback run. I promise you it's worth it. I'm not going to give away Fred's story, but it's worth staying around to listen to what happened on that particular play. Go ahead, Austin. That, that particular play, and then also Jesse brought up Travis McGriff and how he had a big night. But the long touchdown pass to Travis McGriff, and you go back and you watch both the ISO model and then the wide-angle model, Fred yeah, references yeah. the fact that – Deion Grant had a great beat on that pass and likely has a great chance to pick that one off, much like he did late in the game with the phenomenal one-handed pick. But he come up cramping, which goes back to what Brent said, you know, five minutes ago, talking about the cramping two weeks earlier in the Carrier Dome. So if you go back and watch it, it's pretty phenomenal to see Deion Grant make a move on it, and then, you know, it it all goes dashed away, and McGriff makes a play and touchdown Gators. Yeah, I mean – the, the overarching thing is this is just about end. This game was about some individuals making plays. And, and, and look, it's an 11 on 11 game that, without any question. Tennessee wins this game because a couple of guys, you know, a handful of guys made game changing plays. Deion Grant's one handed, which prompted the famous quote, you know, the angels lifted me uh, up to, to catch that ball. Peerless Price, I mean, poor play by Florida's corner, but Price to be able to track the ball down. Uh, for the touchdown, the, the individual play Jesse by T. Martin in overtime to get him fourteen-yard run, yeah. You know, th- there was nothing that was like X's and O's there, and that's the that, again, that's the thing about this game is Tennessee's best players showed up um, and played really good football, and and it, and they made enough plays to overcome Florida's advantages in some areas that they had. That, that's the thing in re-watching it. It was about some individual plays that Tennessee made. At least that's my takeaway, for, you know, from the entire game. It wasn't – to me, it wasn't out-schemed. And nobody's out-scheming anybody, Rob, or anything like that. It's just Tennessee's best players made enough plays to win the game, which they had not done in 97. You know, they couldn't do in 96 when they fell behind 35 nothing. Their best players didn't play well in those games. Their best players on this night played well enough to win. I mean, Tennessee and didn't put a drive together. They didn't, they didn't put a drive together all night long. I mean, you had the Bryson's big run, you know, tease heave to Peerless that came after a turnover when, when they had good field position. And then, you know, well, I guess the, the field goal drive, they did put a little something together there. That was probably their best drive of the night. Um, strange, strange, I mean, strange Jamal Lewis usage. I will say that. 
he'd rip off a run for seven yards and they wouldn't give him the ball for like three plays. And then he doesn't touch it in overtime. And it was, and it's not like he had busted, was busting off big runs, but he was Tennessee's best offensive weapon. It seemed like uh, outside of peerless. And, and they really didn't get him involved as much as he probably should have been in a game that was such a slog. Yeah. I thought the same thing. I mean, he, he didn't, you know, obviously, didn't bust loose, but he did. He had several, you know, chunk plays there, and you know, never they never really fed him like, like you would. In back, you would think, especially with the way T. I mean, T struggled. You know, this was before he kind of found himself. You, I'm, to this point, I would have thought they would be even harder on Jamal. Yeah, I mean, you know, Austin, if if it doesn't go right in overtime for Tennessee, Philip Fulmer and David Cutcliffe are getting roasted on Sunday and Monday for the fact that you get the game to overtime and a chance to win, which quite frankly, in 97, you didn't have a chance to win it in the fourth quarter. You didn't have a chance to win it in 96 in the fourth quarter. I don't care how much you were rallying there. You weren't going to win that game after you were down 35, nothing 95, as you were referencing earlier, uh, Austin, they just got absolutely whitewashed. In the second. So you finally got in this five game losing streak. You, I mean, 94, they got shut out. So you're a five-game losing streak, and you finally got to a point, Austin, where you've got a chance to win it, and your best player doesn't touch it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things where, you know, they don't go to Jamal, you know, but but T, you know, did just enough uh, with that 14-yard run in overtime to put Tennessee in a spot. And Tennessee did have a big advantage with the field goal kicking because Jeff Hall had been made for that moment. Well, not only had he made the – and I, it was a chip shot at Syracuse, but it was still a game winner – he made the one in 95 to beat Georgia. I mean, this is a guy that had grown up and lived for these type of big kicks. So getting an overtime to give him a, a solid opportunity and not have him back there attempting a 52-yarder was a big deal. You go into overtime, then you rely, you get that three-point lead, and then you rely on your defense, which had stepped up and stepped up and stepped up all night long. Yeah, I mean, that that's that's exactly what, what Tennessee did. I mean, they made enough play – again – Leaned on the defense. They were conservative probably until overtime. And, again, the, the, the three-play the three calls in overtime were just, just flat-out strange. You know, and I, I mean, I love David Cutcliffe, but it was, it was really bizarre to see what they did in overtime. I mean, I get if you want to take a shot on first down, uh, but to come back and do that on second down and put yourself in third and long there uh, was, was a mite perplexing. But, you know, Tennessee – Tennessee found a way and created, obviously, a huge celebration. I'll, I'll never forget um, – by the way, on the TV coverage, you can see me bouncing off of people going into the locker room as the goalpost is coming down, which is pretty comical uh, if you're really bored and want to watch CBS. I, I'll say this about CBS. Sean, Mc, Sean McDonough is really good. You know what? Oh, I mean, he, he was, he's outstanding. He's even, I think he's even better in the Arkansas game. I mean, he was really good as, a, as an announcer. He finds that pitch. Yeah, I mean he. I mean you may not. I mean and some Todd people may Black not like him. You know, well, they had that. This was Terry Don. That's right, Terry. Uh, Terry Donahue. But I, I thought McDonough was good. But the other thing, Rob, I remember coming out of that game, everybody was in total euphoria, obviously, and and Philip Fulmer's first comments to his team following that win was, "What are you going to do with it? Are you going to celebrate it? You know, are you just going to totally?" You know, are you going to totally win with it? I, I think that, you know, are you going to do something with it? And um, so that, that was something that I think was really smart on Philip Fulmer's part in terms of how he managed that game um, and managed the win. Because 
I mean, that town was carrying goalposts and cameras and everything else. He quickly got to his team and said, what are you going to do with it? Celebrate it tonight, but then what are you going to do about it? And obviously, we know what this team did about it. It was pretty impressive. You know, yeah, they this, were driven. They, they were extremely driven. And, and you know, uh, but they were a confident group. I mean, they had been a confident group. And, um, you know, the reason I referenced Todd Blackledge is because I've been watching too many former ball games. I was watching 03 Alabama, and uh, he was on that CBS call for the uh, the five overtime win. So, um, but, yeah, it, Tennessee just had a bunch of confident kids all on that defensive side of the ball. I mean, sure, the peerless prices had, had, had some swagger to them, but when you really look at the linebackers Tennessee had and the confidence they carried, Dion and Fred on the back end, Tennessee had some phenomenal defensive line that carried some swagger to them. That defense, I mean, they just – they had a no-nonsense, we're just better than you mentality. And I think that they, they really, you know, had a belief going in, even though they had lost, you know, five straight, um, that they could come in and, and, and shut down Florida. Rob, it's the same defense. John Chavis's unit gave up 30 points to Syracuse two weeks earlier. And then they come in, they gave up a bunch of yards, but they found a way to win in the red zone. Um, and that was a good Syracuse team. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, Dom, yeah, Dom and that was spectacular. Quentin, Quentin Spotwood, and, and we know what mobile quarterbacks and John Chavis are like some kryptonite. But for Tennessee to give up 30 points to, to Syracuse and come back two weeks later and do that to Florida, this is when everybody started to realize Tennessee's defense was really talented. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt. I, I didn't remember. I mean, I, I remember Tennessee played really well, but man, they just they absolutely shut down Florida's running game. And, you know, not that the Gators leaned on that, but Spurrier always, I think, you know, ran it better than people credit for. You know, they just think about fun and gun. And ten, the front seven was just spectacular um, all game long. And I thought, I mean, you remember Deion Grant's play, you remember Al Wilson would, you know, create the fumbles. But to me, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest takeaways is just how they dominated in, in the trenches. And that was, you know, you, you could see the way Philip Fulmer built built that football team, you know, kind of show up on the field that night. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That, that's, that's what Tennessee did and, and who they became. You know, Jesse, I, I've, I've probably told this story before. I remember all the scrimmages leading up to that season in, in August, and everybody knew Jamal Lewis was a good player. Tennessee was bringing some stuff back on the offensive line. Uh, but it was all about T. Martin and T. Martin. And the takeaways from the scrimmages were that just Tennessee couldn't score. I mean, I mean, I watched a couple of scrimmages where, you know, Tennessee just could not score at all in the scrimmage. Um, the, the last night scrimmage Fulmer had right before classes started, T threw a pick six on the first play. And the whole takeaway from fall camp was how bad the offense was going to be. There was never any discussion about how good the defense was because everybody watched Peyton Manning play for four years. So we've grown accustomed to Tennessee scoring, Jesse, 40, 45 points a game. Here they can't make a play in a scrimmage. Little did you know that the defense would be good enough for Tennessee to carry Tennessee throughout that entire season as the offense slowly started to progress. I didn't see that part of the defense coming at all. I mean, I knew they were good, but I didn't know they were that good. But, but, and, and the irony is, you know, you know we, we spend these things forward for the, for the, the Wednesday podcast when we rewatch the, the 2019 season. That's a discussion that seems like, we have folks have everybody has in college football every summer or every beginning of, of, of August. You hear about those first two scrimmages and one side dominates the other. And what does it mean for your football team? Does it mean that your offense is going to be terrible 
or does it mean that you have this dominant defense or that you're just not any good at all? Turns out here, Tennessee had probably one of the best defenses in the country and they had just enough playmakers to make it work. And, and you know, you sprinkle in a good field goal kicker and some good fortune and, and you win a national championship. And that was certainly the case. You know, this was and, – and nothing should be ever taken away from uh, th- this win for Tennessee. Uh, but they did have good fortune in the fact that they created turnovers in the red zone. I don't know how many times you play this game and a team turns it over five or six times, you know, that you give up the amount of yards. I mean, Florida, Rob, you mentioned this, was, was great on third down. If, if, you know, if you give up that many yards of offense and a team's that good on third down, the chances of you winning that game – aren't real good, but Tennessee forced enough turnovers to win it, which kind of became what Tennessee was about, you know, all season long. They dominated later on down the road even more, uh, but they did have, they did have good fortune and they had fortune, good fortune in this night with the turnovers they created. creating a oh, and, and where they got them. I mean, they were huge. I mean, it's just, they get the one that sets up their own touchdown to, to peerless, I guess on, about Florida's 35, they get one inside their own five-yard line. They recover in the end zone. I mean, that's, you know, 14 points right there. They're seven on from Florida, seven – that Tennessee gets seven. And, it, I mean, just those, those two alone totally changed the, the completion of the game. Not just Dion's interception. I mean, that was sudden – that negated what was going to be a golden Florida scoring opportunity and maybe even a touchdown if, if – um, I guess, was it Palmer? If he, I mean, if he puts it on the money, I mean, he under, the, guy, the guy had him beat. I mean, right. no matter what Dion did, if it's a good throw, he walks in. Yep, he certainly did. And there was some plenty of opportunities there. But when a play was there to be made, Tennessee on this night capitalized and found a way to win the football game. Hey, remember, allergy season is here. We all know that. Uh, and allergy sufferers, you're looking for cleaner air and a better place. Um, do you know that you can uh, – you know, look at uh, the pollutants in your home. There's, there's more in your house than there is outdoors. For more information on how you can uh, help your allergies in your home, give Blue Water Climate Control a call, and they can look and, and do a consultation with you and talk about various ways they can help you in your house with allergies. So give them a call at 865-299-2290. Don't forget to mention VolQuest. And, of course, if you have any uh, air conditioning, heating needs, uh, Blue Water Climate Control can take care of that for you. So be sure to check them out online at bluewatercliamatecontrol.com. He called himself a safety. He was a linebacker on this night uh, as Tennessee beat the Florida Gators in 1998. That's Fred White from Griffin, Georgia. We're going to talk to the Tennessee safety turn linebacker on Tennessee's big win uh, that night in Knoxville in 1998, which sets the scene for the rest of the season for the Vols. That's coming up next. As you listen to the Blue Water Climate Control, Volcast.com podcast, the Rocky Top Rewind Edition. The pride of Griffin, Georgia. Fred White joins us on, on the program here talking about that game, talking about that season along with Austin Price. And, you know, Fred, I, I keep thinking about this. You and I have talked about this multiple times. Every time I think about that game, I can't help but think about what you've told me happened nine months prior to, eight months prior to that game. And that was – what the, the transformation that occurred with that football team, with your team, when you left the Orange Bowl after getting manhandled by Nebraska physically. Can you, can you kind of fill everybody in on what happened there and how much that paid its benefits that night against Florida? It, it definitely did. It was the foundation. I mean, the foundation was already set by the players. Coach Ford brought them before us, the seniors. Those guys, uh, you know, Peyton and – Tyrone Hines and, 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 you know, uh, Jay Graham, all those guys that helped set the standard for 
what Tennessee was supposed to be. Uh, my offensive line and those type of things, everybody had that group of guys. But it was one thing, after losing that game against Nebraska, we got manhandled. It's the first time in our entire time of being in college that we got manhandled. Never have we ever lost a physical battle like that. They physically beat us up. And I just remember when we came back and <laughs> Coach Stuckey, God love him, boy. He, that's, he, he's, a, he's the orchestrator of winning that national championship, in my opinion. That guy put it on us every day because it was a whole new sense of, okay, it's a whole different level to get to win the national championship. It's a whole different level you have to be in, strength-wise, mentally, together, all those type of things. And I just remember we had our team meeting, and it was all about one thing, taking care of each other, do your job first, help second, but ultimately, do your job. And that started our, our attitude, our, our, our role, and just it kept going all the way through spring, all the way through summer, and it steamrolled in the middle of the season. Fred, when, when you think about that Florida game specifically, for you, what, what was that morning like? What was that day like? Because I mean, there was – for for the previous couple of years, it was this that was the week that was the year. Peyton was going to beat them. That Tennessee was going to beat them. You know, in '96, it was one versus two, and obviously the horrible start there and and everything. What what do you remember about maybe that week of prep or or day of that game? You know, I know Al's talked about falling asleep. What where were you? What was your mentality like? Maybe that morning of game day. Hmm. You know, myself and Dion Grant we were roommates. Every uh, away game, home game, two and stayed in hotels and stuff, right? And we were completely two different people. But I'll get back to that stuff real, real quick. During that week, we didn't expect to lose. We all expected that we were going to win, but everyone was saying we were going to lose. The week before, that whole week, college football talked about us getting beat by Florida. Everybody just kept saying we we're going to lose. And what people don't realize is that you're not supposed to read press clippings, but we did. <laughs> the preseason, there was a preseason poll that came out about our team, about every position. And the weakest link was the secondary. And we were looking at each other like myself, Dion, and, and the way, like, they have no idea what we have. But it was, we were so, we were so ready to show the world what we could do. That week, we practiced our best practices. We had one bad practice that week, and that, that was on Wednesday. And I'll never forget Coach Fulmer going off and just, like, when we went to the locker room that night, it was like a whole – everybody was kind of dejected a little bit. But then on Thursday, we flew around to the ball. Nobody made mistakes. It was, like, perfect on the defensive side. It was perfect. And I just remember that next day, on Friday, we always do like a walkthrough, like a dress walkthrough. And i never forget, we always played like a little football game. Like somebody like Sean Ellis would be playing quarterback and right. like everybody else would be playing offensive linemen or receivers. And we'd be like just playing like a little tag football game, right? We did it every game. 
The years before, leading up to the Florida game, they make us stop doing it at Florida. And I'll never forget, we went out on the football field that Friday, and we were playing this game. We get ready to start, the, start that game, and the coaches were like, oh, what up? And everybody just looked at the coaches like they were crazy and just kept moving and kept playing our game. We, we did everything like we did every other week. We weren't going to stop because it was Florida. We did this every week. So we did it. That little game was so fun. It, was, it got everybody loose. And the coaches even started laughing. They kind of loosened up a little bit. It was like the elephant was off our back. Man, listen, let's take care of business. We know what's going to happen now. Everybody was still even killed and like so focused. That's the most focused I think we've ever been. Even, even more so than the national championship game. I think that was the most focused I've ever seen my football team, my teammates. Because nobody played around like outside of what you're really supposed to be doing. But everybody just kept the same, even kill the whole season. But that game, we made it all work because we let we had, we basically showed the coaches now nah, we're not gonna change what we do in our routine just for a team. And I think they felt like afterwards that it was the best decision. Take me through the uh, you know pregame. Obviously, Florida carried a certain bravado because of the way that, that Spurrier kind of led them. Um, you know, and, and the fact you hadn't won this game since 92, um, yeah. you know, trying to get over the hump of one of these type games, a lot of it's just belief. Um, so so take me through pregame, you know, anything you noticed maybe in pregame that stood out to you? I, I, this is, I was talking about myself and Dion being roommates, and that's what you just asked brought that – thought process back up, and it's in the same line of what you just asked. You know what we were doing? Watching college football game day. And they picked us to lose. So everybody walked out of their hotel room about at the same time to open the doors in the hallway like, man, y'all heard that? Y'all hear that? Like, they just said we were gonna lose. And I remember walking in the room and Dion was standing in there, he was just like, now we got to go out here and play our best ball. We get, they don't believe in us. Don't nobody think we can win. And I remember him saying this too. And they told us we were the weakest link. And literally, bro, focus. Walking in the stadium, doing a ball walk that week. You know, I never, I was never awake from the hotel to, to the stadium. Soon as we get on the bus, I took my nap right then. I took my nap, and by the time we got to the stadium or to, to be able to do the ball walk, we would go in and have a team meeting first. So I would take a little quick nap during that time period. So I never looked at the fans on on, on uh, Leland Drive and the ball. I never even saw that stuff because I always took a nap right during the time period. Always did. That was the first time I ever even noticed the fans on Leland Drive. We're driving up to the to the um, Gibbs Hall to get off the bus. We go into our team meeting, and I just remember everybody had on headphones. When I say focus, it's it's like a movie to me. It was like so focused. You could cut the tension in the room with a knife. It was just like everybody was ready to explode. And when we did the ball walk, it felt like it was extra loud. Warming up. Just knowing Steve Spurs on the other side and just want to beat his butt. I wish I could say a few other words, but <laughs> <laughs> you just, can. you know, 
and it was, yeah, it, it was just, it was kind of like, when we opened through the tee, running through that tee that day, was a, it was a difference for me. I felt like somebody shook up a, a bottle of Coke and just let the top off and then came through the tee. That's so, how it felt to me. So, so tell me, let's get into the game it, itself a little bit. I mean, it, it's, I mean, Florida's moving the football. They're having some success. You guys just kept finding a way to, to get in a stop, making a turnover. I, I'm assuming going into that game, and you knew it in the first half of that game, it was going to be low scoring. It, it was going to be, you know, one key mistake was going to be the difference in the game. How do you play loose? How do you play focus and not play pressure, you know, feel the pressure during the game? Knowing one mistake might be the difference because nobody, no, nobody saw a lot of points being scored. In that you game. know, I, I, I'm gonna give my credit to this for this answer to Coach Chavis, Coach Brooks, Coach Caldwell, uh, Coach uh, Coach Ramsey. Those guys got us ready. That's how you you, know, you don't win the game on Saturday. You win the game during the week, and they got us prepared, and we were ready. I mean. Young coaches really, Dwayne Goodman said this during that week. He said, man, y'all realize we're playing all man-to-man coverage. We was blitzing and we blitzing Florida. He said, man, when have we ever had a game plan like this against Florida? They got to think we can win. Or they think we ain't got no shot at all, one to other. They either think we going to win or they think we don't have a shot in the world so we got to throw everything at them. But it just told you you had to go out there and play ball because we were going to be in man-to-man coverage pretty much most of the game. All right, so let's, let's flip it to the Tennessee's offensive side. You went against that group all week in practice. How, how much had they repped the quick pop to Sean Bryson uh, during, during practice? And, and, and that, guy, that, guy, that guy, you know, went on and played a lot of tailback in the NFL but was a selfless yes. player to play fullback for you guys. And probably um, the fastest guy on the team. Probably just, the fastest guy on the team, seriously. So had they practiced that much at all? Yeah, we we I had never even seen that play before. <laughs> Not in practice. I haven't. They didn't run against us. I mean, <laughs> they might have ran against the scout team all week, but they didn't run it against us. I mean, so no, I for him that that, that touchdown run he had, of course we knew if Sean Bryson got a step on you, you weren't gonna catch him. Period. Plain and simple. We didn't know he was. We didn't know that play was happening. And if you know the story behind that play, by the way, <laughs> T caught a wrong play. He caught a wrong. He caught a wrong protection for that play. He should have got knocked out, but he didn't. They didn't see it. And once he got past the linebackers, it was over. But like they, <laughs> they caught a wrong protection for that play. You think would T own up to calling the wrong protection now? I think he will. I think he will. I know he called the wrong protection. He, he, he's, I know that for sure. <laughs> We've had that conversation. <laughs> Isn't that a great example, though, Fred, about <laughs> a, little, a little bit of what you're talking about, how the coaches got to trust you guys and let you go play? Because it is, it is a player making a play. It is about a talent yes. making a play more than it is – out scheming everybody. And I mean, that's kind of what this game was about was this is my best doing what we do best. Defensively, it was attacking and blitzing. 
and hey, look, our, our best is going to beat your best. And that's kind of what this game turned into, didn't it? it? It did. Here's the difference. So for our offense and our defense, going against each other all week, it was ones against ones. We didn't go ones against twos. We went ones against ones. So we had to play. So basically, our defense was good enough, I think, better than Florida's. And so that's what you're going against every day in practice, getting ready for this game against a good Florida defense. On our side of the ball, Florida didn't really have a running game, but we did. That's, that was the difference. And we knew that we had to throw, they had to throw the ball to win or try to run the ball against us, but we're going to shut that down. We're going to give you every opportunity to try to go out here and throw the ball over our head because we're going to bring everybody, and we're playing, playing man-to-man with Dion in the middle of the field. We just felt like that was our best opportunity to win, and we took it. I want to ask you about Dion's play. I'm sure you've, you saw it because you were there. And you've gone uh-huh. back and watched it a bunch. And I know you knew Dion's athletic ability. How good was that play? How good was his pick? Let me say this. Out of all the things I've seen Dion do in practice and in games, it's probably number five of the best plays I've seen him make. Seriously. And we expected for Dion to do something like that. He did that in practice all the time. Ever since he came to Tennessee as a freshman, we saw that. And we couldn't see we, – we couldn't wait to see him play. I mean, he was – he gave us a whole different weapon. Keep in mind, we got a coach who loves to blitz and put fast linebackers on the football field, fast defensive ends, a lot of speed on the field, right? And then you got a guy who can cover center field. It's the perfect storm. Like I said, I watched Dion make plays in practice that I couldn't even believe could be done. You know what I mean? So the play I saw in Florida, it was expected. I mean, we expected for Dion to do something like that. He would have had two of those. Um, Travis McGriff caught a touchdown pass down the sideline. Um, Dion caught a cramp going to the ball. If he didn't catch a cramp on his way to that ball, he had two picks in the game. I mean, you just couldn't throw the ball deep when Dion was in the middle. He was going to take it. All right, so let's fast forward. A lot of big hits in this game. You know, it's a defensive type game. But let's fast forward to overtime. Take me through what you're thinking when, when you know, obviously you guys lead 20 to 17. Jeff Hall's made the, the initial field goal in the first overtime. When Collins Cooper's lining up, take me through what, what what's going through your mind. Well, I, I came out of the game at that time period because it was it was uh, they were trying to give me a breather because it, it was going to be a field up. So uh, Derek Evans, Evans was in the game. I'm sitting there thinking, <laughs> if he misses this, this is greatest win in, in you know in my lifetime. But if he hits it, I'm glad I'm getting a breather because we got another round to roll, you know, and the more time you get spurred, the, the, the worse it gets, you know? And it was just like, okay, let's see what happens. And literally, as he kicked it, it's a feeling that I don't even know how to describe. It's, I just remember getting to the middle of the football field and I'm hugging Jermaine Copeland and we're jumping up and down and just excited and happy. And I turned and I looked and the goalpost was gone. I 
would turn the other direction and people were running towards us and the other goalposts was getting ready to go down. I don't even know how to explain that feeling. Like it still gives me chills to this day. It's that's the best feeling I've ever had as a sports player, as like for playing any football, even more so than the national championship game. That, and that's kind of crazy, but to know I only beat Florida once. That game is a one game in my entire career that I remember more than any game I've ever played. And I remember just about every game I ever played in. So you, you remember that one more vividly is what you're saying. You, you, Absolutely. Specific place, where it was at on the field, all Time those types of, games, of things. Everything. Have yep. you have you watched it a bunch? Have you gone back and watched that game? I've, I've watched it. Well, it took me a long time to watch it, and then um, <laughs> it took me about ten years to watch that game. And I watched it a few times over the last few years, and just comparing what I see in college football now to what we were, and. I think we stack up with some of the best of them, period. And I don't think we get enough credit, especially our defense. I, don't, I think we get credit, but when it comes to, like, we get credit from our fans. We get credit from, you know, some of SEC teams. But I don't think we get the credit we deserve for how good we really were on defense. I, I got to ask you, what was that night like a- afterwards? I mean, you know, the goalpost is going down Cumberland. People are sawing it up. and I mean, where did you go? I mean, it's a home game. I mean, Knoxville's not going to sleep anytime soon. <laughs> I mean, you're exhausted, though. Did you go back to the dorm and, and see your family? Did you go out? Did you sleep at all? What do you remember? Absolutely not. This is one of the biggest games of your career. Everybody's going to the strip. I remember watching them still running with the goalposts down the strip. It's like I said, it is still it's like the best sports moment of my entire life. I've never that's a movie, man. That is a whole movie. I remember all of that stuff vividly, and it was like the best feeling ever. Going to classes on that Monday and that next week was insane. It was amazing. But like I remember getting to the crystals on Kingston Pike on, on Cumberland right there. Right. God rest his soul. I know, right? <laughs> and we parked to walk down the strip. We parked right there. We, we're not supposed to park right there, but we, we had a friend that worked there that let us park. So we walked down the strip, and, like, the strip was still partying. I mean, all night long. All night long. I'll never forget my older cousins that came to the game. They came in from Jacksonville, North Carolina. They were in the military. They left that morning at, like, 5.30 in the morning. They didn't get any sleep. They were up with me all that. We just came back from the strip at like five. It was crazy. But yeah, that was that was a great time. That's the great my greatest sports moment is that weekend, that game. Well, it's the greatest sports moment for a lot of Tennessee fans as well. They got the monkey off the back. It set the stage for obviously what was a run, uh, as Coach Fulmer told you guys after the game that next week. It's about what you do with the win, not the fact that you won the game. And you guys certainly capitalized with it and went on to win the national championship. Great memories. Great trip down memory lane, Fred. We appreciate the time, my man. All right, man. Thank you, guys.